my name is Katie Sanders and this is my testimony. Um, I think for everybody there is a, a tipping point in their relationship with God or just their point in life where things change forever. We have teenagers now and um, one that's 12, one fixing to be 14, and that's one thing that we've been trying to emphasize is you're only one choice away from an entirely different life. Um, testimony is something that we are given by God, but it's defined as evidence or proof provi provided by the existence or appearance of something. My tipping point, my testimony really cranked up when I was in about the fourth grade. Um, my parents had been married and divorced and remarried at this point, and my house was hostile. Um, my parents were constantly physical abuse, verbal abuse. You know, our, we lived in a home where dishes were for throwing and not for eating, that I love yous were manipulation and not affection where trips were runaways and not vacations um and we were on a trip and we returned and that was really the first memory i had as a child coming up the hill of our home in my mom's purple dodge intrepid um after a trip with my cat easter bunny in the back glass i don't know why we always took the cat on trips or why somebody let me name my cat Easter Bunny, but those are realities of the story. Um, I had a sock cop that day. I vividly remember all of the details, but we'd been there for about an hour getting ready in our home and right before we left, my dad stepped out of the closet. Um, and he had been in there silently waiting for an hour and I don't know what his plan was or if he had a plan. But if he did, they didn't go as he had anticipated because my mom reached over at some point and raised the window that set off our alarm. The cops called. They asked for the safe word and my dad knew it because he was an owner of the home too. And when my mom screamed for help in the background, he hit her and he did not quit hitting her. My sister was very young, one or two, maybe. Um, and I kept running around the house trying to find a phone where I could call 911 because I was convinced he was gonna kill her. And all of the phone lines had been cut except for the one that he was on. Um, she was unconscious. We helped get her to the car. And the next little bit of that's kind of what the tipping point was for everything that would come next for my story. Um, she went back eventually out of fear. And when we left, we left in the middle of the night and she had a plan. The trunk was packed. We went to a homeless shelter for battered women and it was Christmas and we stayed there for a little bit there wasn't cable or anything, so that's where I learned to play gin rummy. And I played with a girl that was about 18 or 19. She taught me how to play, her name was Sugar. 
and I found sugar hanging from the curtain in the bathroom and that's when we left. My mom had not spent the time that she needed there and so that was the rolling point of what would come next. We left that shelter. We moved to the northern Mississippi region. My mom met a man. She started drinking. Um, and she couldn't keep that man out of my bed at night. Um, she would get so drunk to the point where she wouldn't remember and he would come in my room and sometimes it was physical abuse during the day and then he would come and get in my bed at night. I was 10. He could have been anywhere from 30s to mid 30s, but it was only me. And there were four other girls next door. Um, younger, of course, my sister was one. And then we had three cousins that lived with us also. And I know that he didn't go into their room too because I would stay up for the nights that he wouldn't come in my room and make sure that he wasn't in theirs too. Um, I had an aunt that was like, look, you can't live like this anymore. And I went to live with my dad and we had some normal years for about three years. And then he died. My mom went to rehab because she thought it would keep her out of prison. Then she served time in prison for a felony DUI. Our house burned down while she was in prison. And I literally spent the next, I was 16 at the time, I spent the next little while sleeping on couches of my friends. And I look back now and I think, gosh, what would I do if my children were sleeping on other people's couches, um, living out of a bag and just trying to make it through high school? Um, the biggest lie the enemy ever told me is that I could have a family of my own. And I believed it. One day, I was gonna have a family of my own that nobody could take from me. I rushed into a marriage that I knew wasn't right. And then my children started to notice all of the loud voices. All of a sudden, I looked around and my home the walls in my home sounded a lot like the walls <laughs> that I had grown up in. And I watched my kids wince as me and their dad would fight or go days and days and days without speaking to one another. So I left. I would come to be remarried, I had the house, the dog, the kids, everything that I could have imagined and that it's in that place that I found myself bankrupt before the Lord. Um, I felt very alone and isolated in the town that I lived in and it was literally just me and my husband and my kids. And it brought me to a place to where I had a nine millimeter pressed in between my teeth because I could not do this anymore. I believed the lies of the enemy that my kids would be better off without me, that I had maybe if they weren't back and forth, back and forth, like the decisions that I made could very well be the tipping point in their life. I had not considered what I 
couldn't control half of the time. I know what I exposed them to, but when you have a one and two year old and you can't speak to or access them for seven days at a time, that's, that's hard for a mother. Um, and that's where God met me. I didn't grow up in church, obviously, and um, I didn't know much about the Bible, and I was isolated from the church setting. We were not welcome. Um, and so I devoured the Bible by myself over and over. I read the entire Bible except Revelations. I skipped it the first three times I read through it because I was afraid of it. Um, but six months after I came to know Christ, just on my face, things had not changed. God made a promise to me that night, and he said, look, your life is not over. I'm going to use you to speak to large groups of women, and all of this is going to be okay. And I still wonder what he meant by that. What is all of this, and what is okay? because things have not gotten easier. Um, I would argue that they have been significantly harder, but they have also been the best six years of my life. Um, I didn't know until I did that I was lost. You know, I went to church I said my prayers, I read my Bible, I baked the casseroles when the church called. I, me and my husband even held hands together at night and prayed for one another. All of the fruit of a real Christian Christian. But it was all in my strength. It was all things that, habits that I had created, to-do lists that I had checked off. Um, I found myself trying to read scripture and not understanding it and getting frustrated and quitting over and over and over again. And when I met God, um, all of that changed. Like I, if I had died that night, I would have gone to hell and was burning up the church every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday. Um, my family didn't recognize me. My mom was worried that I may have been on a schizophrenic break because all I did was read my Bible. I just had that big event in my 20s and um, that's when it manifests. She's like, it's weird because I know you but the power of the gospel in your life. Um, you know, I think that we make the mistake of thinking that our stories don't matter or we're so ashamed of them that we can't speak it out loud. Um, but there is something exceptionally holy about hard things. Um, the gospel, for instance, is not painted with rainbows, um, you know, the crucifixion we see as glory, 
you know, as humble thanks for what Christ did for us. But then crucifixion was the most corporal Roman punishment there was. And God tells us, Jesus tells us in the Gospel of John that if we want to be Christians, that we have to deny ourselves daily, not just once when we walk the aisle and say the prayer, but deny ourselves daily, pick up our cross and follow him. Pick up our cross was not a pretty necklace that we can wear around our neck. It's it's painful, it's humility, it's transparency, it is God gave us individual stories. We're given individual gifts. Um, and we all have something different to give away. But I find myself wondering sometimes what is more disappointing to God that so many of us don't take the opportunity to just live in the free gift that he gives us or that some of us take it and we just waste it. Um, the pain, the testimony that I have, it was God's greatest gift for me. Um, ironically, I skipped over Revelation several times reading the Bible, but um, my life verses in there it's Romans 12 11 and it's and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even until death therefore rejoice O heavens and you who dwell in them but woe to the earth and the sea for the devil has come down to you with great wrath because he knows that his time is short they have overcome him, conquered him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb, Christ, and the power of their testimony. You, me, everybody that has ever lived has a story, an important story that God is writing and preparing and putting in front of you. And there's going to be a day where somebody's in that exact season of life almost to the point that it is strange how much it aligns with your story and God needs you to speak life into that person and say hey I was there I walked that I experienced that I hurt that way and this is this is how we made it through this is what was next but we've created a culture that says we can't be honest about the things that are going on in our lives. Some of us are under the impression that we can't even be honest with God. And that's one place to sit, but the other place is the arrival Christian that has, you know, walked the aisle and said the prayer and has been a part of Christ and the body, but then decided that somehow they are superior to everybody else. 
the Bible tells us a lot that we are to pursue righteousness. We are to chase after it. We are to make it our own. And it's because we never arrive. God is constantly working in us. Be holy as I am holy, except we can't be. We get it wrong. We are going to make mistakes. Romans 7 is one of the best examples of this. Arguably the greatest evangelist of all time, Paul, is like, gosh, I do all of these things I want to do, and the things I don't want to do, I do, and what is wrong with me? Like, I love you, Lord. Why am I messing up? And Romans 8, 1 says, but there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And that is the point. Yes, you mess up. But it's an opportunity every day to start over with God. It's a choice that you don't make once. You make it every single day. You know, you allow just a little compromise in your life and then that comes a little more compromise and a little more compromise and then you look back and you don't even know who you are or what you stand for anymore because you've only made little adjustments in who you are. Sanctification is such a process in, in our lives. Um, and our, our hard things matter for that because in the absence of those hard things, would we stay at the foot of the cross? I wonder a lot. Some of the greatest things that I have enmity with are the very things that saved my life and my soul forever. If God were to remove those things from my life, I can't tell you what my study would be like, but I am constantly going back to the Word, reminding myself of what is real, what is biblical, what is true. And Jesus mirrored that for us in His time in the wilderness with the enemy. For every lie the enemy told Him, He said, for it is written. And if I could give you guys any single piece of advice, it would be to know the truth for yourself, not for somebody to give it to you, not me to give it to you, your pastor, your best friend who's been in church forever how long. You have got to go to the source. Um, our God is an intimate God. He is a God that is for us and he wants to change our lives, but he can't. We plant seeds. We don't save souls. Um, and if you want the power of the gospel, you've got to pick it up for yourself. The enemy will whisper small untruths to you. Meet them with what is written. Look for what is written. Write down those things that are hard and go find something that is real and then share those things. We can't hide from the things that have hurt us. We can't cover it up because you will not heal from pretending that everything is okay, that all of this is normal. You have to come out and be separate 
set apart different and until we can get honest with ourselves we are limiting the power of the gospel in our lives I think God wants to use and wants to save and it's not easy you know that saying God won't give you more than you can handle is like that's the worst yes yes God will give you more than you can handle because that is where we find our dependency on him but what a shame for us to experience those things that we cannot handle and tuck them away like it never happened like God didn't do an extraordinary work in our life um I think that testimony matters. We've got to open the closet door without a plan of our own and things won't always go our way. And you're gonna know the safe word. Ours for that incident was gone jeeping. I don't, I don't remember who our security people were or who it was that called that morning, but I remember that my dad said gone jeeping and it was cut off. They were like, oh, okay, they're good, they're safe. But we weren't until there was a cry for help in the background. And when you're crying out from the walls of your home and the walls of your home are what are destroying you to start with, don't expect something to be better or easier. Open the closet door without a plan, without ideas of how you think it should go next and don't use the safe word <laughs> let air it out let people know that's what the church community is for is to meet each other in our weaknesses and share in those and grow and be stretched by them not to put them away or say amen and let it be good Stoic is not holy. Um, your story matters. But if you do not share your story, you've wasted it. And I don't feel like that's what God gave it to you for.